Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. It's going to be a verse by verse edition with Dr. R.B. Maynard. Merry Christmas to you. It is that time of year, December 17th. It's going to be here before we know it, Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you and to your family. Hey, uh, like, share, subscribe. Listen to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. You can watch watch it on uh, Facebook Live via Grace Point Assembly of God. We appreciate that. And we celebrate the little things, Dr. R.B. Maynard. We just went over our 8,000 play mark. Wow. The other day. So there you go. But the downside is the MCDs are chasing us. Mm. Because the, uh, Grace Monday has been around a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. They're at over the 5,000 uh. heading to 6K mark. So they're kind of creeping up on us a little bit. So we got to they'll never make shoot it. up. So never anyway, make it. hey, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we Verse by verse, we go through the Bible, getting into the word. We're heading into a new chapter here today, 1 Kings 21. But let's also celebrate uh, the, the christening, if you will, mm-hmm. or honoring of Dr. R.B. Maynard with the official piece yes. of paper. Yes, I did get that. I should have brought it today. And for those that didn't get to see Hanging it. Hanging up in the background there. I don't know if I should put it in my classroom or in my office at home. I mean, i got to find just yeah. the right I, spot. I, yeah, I think maybe your classroom would be good so people yeah. can really yeah. see that. Dr. R.B. Maynard, the doctorate was in philosophy of spiritual development, right? right. I believe is what your doctorate yeah. is in. So yeah. Yeah. you can trust him today. Listen, there's so many voices in the world, <laughs> but you can trust Dr. R.B. Maynard. And I always think that's what's funny is uh, uh, that people, um, sorry, I, we had a little malfunction there. I lost my train of thought. It is like uh, I have my degree from North Central University mm-hmm. and you work so hard for it. And then it's just like a $60,000 piece of paper just sitting there right, right. <laughs> for the rest of your life. Well, and that's what I've always told people, you know, the old question, what do you call a doctor that graduates at the bottom of his class? Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Well, let's dive into it. First Kings chapter 21. Chapter 21. So this is a, a new chapter. It's kind of a, you know, we all know, or most of you know, that the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. It was just divided up for our convenience. And so this is really, even though it's a new chapter, it's a, a continuation of the story with Ahab and uh, Jezebel that have been mentioned before, but it kind of comes back to that story. So it says, uh, verse 1 through 3, sometime later there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard um, the vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use as a vegetable garden since it is close to my palace. In exchange... I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father. So this is a, uh, sounds like a legitimate real estate deal. So if you just read that verse, it would be like, well, why is Naboth so you know, adamant that he's not going to let him have his vineyard? And, you know, for Ahab, it would be like, I know um, when we built your house, you had talked about you'd like to have that lot behind mm-hmm. you out yep. there just because it's attached to your property. Uh, you'd like to have it, you know, for the boys to have more room to play or whatever, you know, put a horse on it or, yep. you know. But uh, so it was attached, so it, it was kind of logical. It wasn't like uh, Ahab was, you know, just wanting it because he didn't want somebody else to have it or, or whatever or it wasn't an investment. It was attached to his property. So it seems like what would be a decent proposal. 
And, and in that case, most of the time people would say, you know, I want to buy your house or I want to buy your land. And what do you want for it? And I'll give you a better house. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you a newer house in trade for it or I'll pay, let's get it appraised and, and whatever the appraisal comes out, you know, we'll get three appraisals, whichever one's the highest, I'll pay you that for it. I mean, sounds like a legitimate real estate proposition. Okay. So, uh, when it, when it starts out, but, um, and, and I'm giving you choices. In other words, I'll give you a better one. I'll give you more money for it. Uh, whatever the case may be. And his statement is the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. The, the Jews, when they came into the promised land were given land as their inheritance. So, you know, I don't know how that worked. I don't know if we, you know, maybe I could study that in Jewish studies or something. I don't know how it worked, but it does tell us some of the tribes were given different areas and things, but, but it came down to individuals or families were given land and they were supposed to keep that land in the family. So it, it's not, he's saying, I can't sell it to you or God forbid, may the Lord forbid if I sell. It's like, you know, today, if you would make that statement, you know, I want to buy that lot behind me and the guys, the Lord forbid that I should sell. (laughs) Well, we would just think the guy was being a jerk. Yeah, you know, to throw God in there in this transaction or whatever. But, but in Leviticus uh, twenty five twenty three, it says the land is not to be sold permanently. It, it was to remain with the family that it 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 was uh, given to in the beginning. So it was to be passed down. It was not, um, you know, if a guy got a piece of land back then, he was not to look at it like, man, this is I got the best piece of land in all of this area and i could probably make a killing on that if i you know if i would sell Mm -hmm. it and that was not the purpose the purpose was that it stayed with the family it got uh the the children inherited the grandchildren inherited i don't know when that ended i mean obviously it's not that way today yeah i mean land is just sold wherever for whatever yeah but during that time that was the um and and you could sell it he could have sold it legally so there wasn't a law per se that said he couldn't sell it, but it was God's law that said he couldn't sell it. Mm-hmm. And you could sell land during that time in an emergency basis. So if you're, you know, if you're uh, Naboth and you have this vineyard and things have been really bad and you haven't been able to to sell any crops or whatever off of it, and you're about to go broke and you're hungry you can temporarily sell a piece of land. In other words, I need money now to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. You could temporarily sell it, and then it got it went back when you were able to replace it or the year of Jubilee when property was returned, and you'd have to go look up all the rules for the year of Jubilee. But it, it, it was re- returned, but it could only be sold under ex- extreme poverty. So uh, this is not the case for mm-hmm. Naboth. So he's... Um, He's probably a good man. He doesn't want to uh, violate the law. He's respectful of the ancestors. He's respectful of what God said, uh, the way things should be. And I've used this example before, but, you know, we use sometimes, and in in this case, uh, he has the law of God, and he said, you know, he's probably looking at it like, 
I don't know how he's looking, but <laughs> you know, I could have, I could make some money here, or well, wouldn't God want me to have something better? You know, we we make those. Mm-hmm. How many times has somebody said, "I deserve, I deserve a vacation," and I don't care if I got to put it on the credit card. I don't care if I got to borrow money. I don't care if I got to put my house up for collateral. I deserve a vacation, and and it, we make those decisions like. I deserve it. But I think of how many times we let the government set the moral standards. Mm-hmm. And and I've used this as an example, going to movies. Now, you know, I was raised, you don't go to movies. It didn't, I mean, you don't go to the theater. Right. I mean, you could watch television or whatever, but, you know, I wasn't raised. Some, some of my friends were raised, even as kids, they didn't have a TV in the house. Mm-hmm. That was just, you just did not do it. It was a sin to have a television in the house. But, man, going to a theater would really be, I mean, <laughs> that was on the membership card. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it said you will not go to movies. Which is true. I was talking to someone the other day in the Sims of God, which we're a part of, uh, that there were actual cards Yeah, there were. <laughs> back in the day. I wish I would have saved one of them because <laughs> right. I, I think a lot of people don't believe that. Yeah. But it had uh, movies, drinking, Dancing, dancing, gambling, gambling, or going to movie theaters, or or other places of questionable amusement. That was the way <laughs> it was worded. So I wasn't. I mean, I snuck yeah, you away. Have to add uh, no vaping. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, to, still in the process of approval for uh, marijuana. No, no, <laughs> right. But the but <laughs> to the be movie, determined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More uh, <laughs> as uh, culture uh, changes, we'll add to this list, but. But the, the movie industry has a rating system that is not Christian-based. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a rating system that whoever, the government or whatever, has put. So we have people who will use that rating system to say, I will only go to PG-13 or I'll mm-hmm. only go to PG movies. Yeah. Or I'll go to R, but I won't go to X. And, and that rating system... The Passion of the Christ movie was rated R. Yeah. It was rated R for violence. Right. I would tell any Christian to go watch that movie. <laughs> yes. Because the true story of Jesus' crucifixion and, and his life in those last days was violent mm. story. I yep. mean, that's the closest probably that you could ever do to replicate what happened. I, yep. You know, I don't know. But but anyway, we use that system. So, I you know, I'll only go to PG-13. Well, I've seen PG-13, you be watching it, and it's like it's a decent movie, and then <laughs> yeah. there's a naked woman. Yep. And it's like, what? You know, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. And so we use the, the government or whatever, which is what Naboth could have done here. He could have said, well, the, you know, legally I can sell it, so, you know, forget about what God says. And, and the whole rating system, if, if we go back to that, the whole rating system— we should be able to say, I'm going to decide based on content, based on, and you can get reviews now that will say, mm-hmm. uh, this word was used 15 times. Uh, there's two cases of drug abuse. There's, you know, it'll tell you, and then you can make a decision. Right. Yep. How many times this right. word is used, et cetera. Right. And I heard somebody say one time that, that uh, they were talking about the rating system, and they said that uh, you were how it was determined you were allowed to say a word a certain number of times before it went. And this was on like a Johnny Carson show or something. And it wasn't one of the 
well, they're all bad, but it wasn't one of the really filthy words. But he said, you're only allowed to say this word three times within whatever, two minutes or whatever it was. And he said, I'll prove it to you. And on the show, he started saying that <laughs> word. And after the third time, they bleeped him. Wow. So he was allowed to say it three times before he got <laughs> bleeped. So that's what uh, I think Pastor Rachel wants for when I'm speaking, you know, for, oh, she yeah? needs, wants a buzzer. Okay. So you can't say LeBron James. You can't say yeah. this. You can't say that. You would have to somehow, though, you, we'd have to have a delay on it or she right. wouldn't be able to, to find it. So, so anyway, well, if we gave everybody uh, beepers in there, it could be a problem. But anyway, we won't keep on with that. But, but anyway, uh, just making the point that Ahab was a godly man who said, I don't care what the law says, I'm going to be obedient to what God says. So uh, verse 4, so Ahab went home. Sullen and angry, we've talked about this before, because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed, sulking, and refused to eat. Now this is, I mean, this is the king. This is not some, I mean, can you imagine, and I don't care if it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Robert F. Kennedy or uh, who, this is not political, but can you imagine the president of the United States that we have this, and sometimes we could believe it, but that we have a king who's acting like this. I mean, he goes in. I thought about it like a teenager who gets mad at mom and dad because they won't let him go someplace, and they go to their room and slam the door and lay down on the bed, and then it's like, <laughs> dinner's ready. I'm not hungry. You know, I'm not eating. I mean, like they're going to prove something by, uh, by that. But I just... Uh, um, the King James says he was heavy and displeased. The Hebrew says he was dejected and upset, thinking uh, Ahab can't treat me or uh, Naboth can't treat me like this. You know, does he not know who I am? But, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it makes the point here that sullen and angry, pouting, laying on his bed, refusing to eat over something that he has no right to. Mm-hmm. It's just I make you... It's the same, you know, I've dealt in real estate for a lot of years. It'd be the same thing if I, I go make an offer on a house and somebody else, you know, gets it at a higher price. And I just go home and go in my bedroom and lay down in my bed mad and angry and sullen and all of that because mm-hmm. somebody else got it. I mean, we all had a fair chance. You know, I heard somebody say one time I bought a house at an auction and somebody said, yeah. The guys at the donut shop were talking about that the other day, and they said, yeah, those real estate agents, they they get everything or something. And it's like it was an auction. Anyone Mm -hmm. could bid on that property. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, and Ahab is what what the Bible talks about. He's he's double-minded. He has this attitude of I'll serve God, but I still want a little bit of bail. There's that. And, and, you know, Christians today, a lot of us would say, I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder sometimes, and I think we have to question ourselves, you know, do I say one thing and do something else? Do I say something and not follow through with it? Uh, that that talks about being uh, double-minded. And and he was, Ahab, and I don't, I don't have this, the scripture of reference, but he would not eat forbidden food. 
but he married a woman who was, you know, a horrible woman. Hmm. I mean, it's like, well, I won't do this, but then he gave in on something else. And it, it ruins our witness with when we, and none of us are beyond failure, but it ruins our witness when we say something, you know, I won't do this, I won't do this, but then we do something else that's just, that's as bad or uh, whatever. And that's, that talks about being double-minded. And in James, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Mm. Wow. And so if you have that problem, we would kind of link being a hypocrite to that, say one thing, do something else. That's mm-hmm. that's that double-minded uh, spirit. Or a, a little of God, but a little of something else. You know, we want it, we want it both ways. We want our key, cake and eat it too Yeah, kind of thing. And so... If you're if you're unstable in part of the ways, if you're double minded in part of the ways, James says you'll be unstable in all of your ways. So if you're the kind of guy who constantly wavers a little bit of this and a little bit of that, then what do people think when uh, you get in the pulpit and and talk about um, being faithful to your wife? I would think I don't know whether he. I mean. He's not very faithful over here. Yeah. You know, he's not faithful in this way. Why would I believe he would be faithful to his wife? Hmm. He's he cheats on his taxes. How do I how would I trust him that he pays his tithes? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So that's that double-minded and, and and I think our witness is is important. I mean, I have lots of times that it's difficult for me with with rental property because I I don't know which way to I don't know what the Christian thing to do mm-hmm. to not become the doormat for somebody. And so sometimes it's difficult to, to get that balance. But I think we all have to ask ourselves, am I double-minded? Am I a, am I a hypocrite? Do I say one thing and do something else? Mm. Uh, am, I not, am, I, am I preaching at people? Years ago there was an evangelist, and I'm not mentioning names today. People will know if they <laughs> – but there was an evangelist that preached uh, – really hard against pornography against unfaithfulness and and then he was caught in the scandal of pornography and unfaithfulness Mm -hmm. and so people and he still preaches today and he still has a following so i'm not saying that everybody's wrong for following him but i just don't know how you trust someone it takes a while to get trust back Mm mm-hmm and I think I think that is one. I don't know what their program is, but I think the assemblies has a restoration program. Mm-hmm. You know, so instead of saying uh, this guy was unfaithful to his wife, you're out of here for eternity. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's a restoration process. And but this guy that I'm talking about was not willing to submit to that and dropped out of the assemblies of God because. He didn't want to take a year for the restoration process to bring him back in or whatever. So he dropped out of the assemblies. Mm-hmm. And so this being double-minded, and especially for pastors, because you you have that platform. Right. You know, for me here, I have this platform to say things and then not live up to it. Mm-hmm. And people are looking for that. Yep. They, there's a lot of people who want somebody to fail because it makes them look better. So, 21, 5 through 7, his wife Jezebel 
came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give it to you my I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel his wife said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat, cheer up, I'll get the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. <laughs> I mean, this is you know, she comes uh, in and well, he wouldn't do I, I can just hear him. If he's that sullen and angry, I can just hear that voice of, um, you know, crying like a baby, mm-hmm. basically. And even Jezebel knows he's acting like an idiot. Yeah. You know, why are you acting? You're the yeah. king. You're supposed to act different than this. <laughs> and I don't know. You know, the thing about it, we have all this in writing. I'll bet you Ahab didn't know that that all these years later, right. he'd be sitting yeah, here I'd on be. a podcast <laughs> talking about how he went in and cried around on his bed and and all of that, but um, and and he changed the wording. He says uh, Ahab says about Naboth. He said, "I will not give you my vineyard." He didn't say, "I will not." He said, "I cannot," mm. because of yeah of the beliefs. Uh, and you know that Ahab knows those. He knows the rules and and what God has said about those things. So. Um, uh, so he misquoted him basically when he's crying, but um, he was weak as a king, he was weak as a husband, and he was weak as a man. I mean, he let Jezebel come in there. It, you know, again, it's the same. I, I almost got in trouble for this Sunday morning. I had to kind of dig myself out of the hole because <laughs> I began to talk about the role of men, mm-hmm. the role of women, and, uh, you know, it, it would be not even as as a man necessarily, but you know, something like this happened, something at the church happened, somebody criticized you, somebody quit, whatever the case may be, you go home, go in the bedroom, shut the door, laying on the bed, and in comes Pastor Rachel. Now, this is no way, Jeremiah, <laughs> this is no way for the pastor. You're the pastor. This is no way for you to be acting. And then sh- and you're like, well, somebody, this person quit the church, and they don't like me. And she's like, I'll take care of it. Well, she shouldn't be taking. I mean, mm-hmm. as the pastor's wife, as the 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 wife of the house, the mother of the house, whatever, as the lady of that should not be her responsibility to take care of your problems. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I'll take care of that person. And he doesn't even say, Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you What are you planning? What are you going to do? You know, I I need to make sure you don't do the wrong thing. It it wasn't her responsibility to to do that. So he's a failure in every way, and I can just hear the words. Well, whatever you think is best, you know. I mean, he's a he's henpecked. That's the word mm. we would use. Um, and you know, she should have just said to him in in that situation. She should have said, um, "Don't you have bigger things to worry about?" I mean. If if Rachel came in to the to the bedroom and you're crying around on the bed about something that happened at the church, you, she should not be saying. Oh, that's Pastor H calling right now. <laughs> uh oh, she's watching. She's calling in to tell me what I'm what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> that's good timing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mentioned her name and she came on the phone. But uh, but anyway. <laughs> 
That's my that is my office phone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we got Alexa <laughs> dialing in from time to time. Yeah, I know. It's you never know what's going to happen here. <laughs> I thought maybe that was the voice of God. Yeah. But it'd be just a it'd be just an angel voice. <laughs> That's what you should have said. But anyway, if if she came in and and said I'll take care of it, she should have said, "Pastor, get up off the bed and quit acting like a baby." Mm-hmm. You know that was that's her role, not the role of "I'll take care of it for you." But and we don't know if if he knew anything about the the plan or not. Uh, he but doing it in the name of religion. Um, so let me let me back up and read twenty one eight through ten. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Now, we don't know if he knew anything about this plan, but proclaim a day of fasting. So make it sound religious. So she's going to use against Naboth the very thing that he used to say, I can't sell you this because it's an inheritance. She knew that. Ahab knew that. But yet, oh, let's, let's, uh, how can we, let's proclaim a fast. That'll sound, you know, spiritual. It'll look <laughs> spiritual. Because mm-hmm. if she had done anything else, Naboth is a, is a godly man. I mean, at least we know he's godly enough to want to obey the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were living under law, so yeah. it was about rules. So mm-hmm. we do know he's godly enough. We don't know a lot about him, but we know he's godly enough in this situation. But uh, proclaim a, a day of fasting. You know, we don't know who these uh, friends were. But the other issue is, and we'll kind of come back to it, the, the other issue is Ahab and Naboth are cousins. So you'd have to go back and research who their parents mm. were and how that came about. But they're, they're cousins. So this is not only um, betrayal of friends or betrayal of acquaintances, but a betrayal of family. So, mm. so he's part of, actually part of the family. Jezebel, by marriage, would be part of the family. And so this is a plan really to... Um, I mean, to have him killed. I mean, that's what the whole idea is. The The charges she talks about, she said, uh, say that he cursed God and cursed the king. If you curse God, you're going to incite the people against. If you in, incite the king, you're going to uh, incite the government. So she's Jezebel is very conniving. I mean, she knows all the ins and outs. I would say, you know, we read these stories like, okay, you know, Naboth's on the bed or Ahab's on the bed crying. She goes in. I'll take care of it. She goes right out, writes these letters. I think she probably sat down and thought, okay, let me make sure I cover all my bases here. So she probably, maybe she looked in the law books. Maybe she looked at things and said, okay, I need to get him this way and I need to get him this way so it'll all look legitimate. I mean, it sounds like, Honestly, it sounds like um, uh, Jesus with the betrayal. Mm. Let's see if we can get him this way. It was all an illegal uh, trial against Jesus. I mean, it was an illegal crucifixion. The whole thing was not even 
done legally or morally right. We get mad because it wasn't morally. Oh, how could they ever do that? I mean, it was an Ill- illegal thing that happened then. Hmm. It was against the laws, the way that they uh, did things. The other thing, if he's killed, so it's talking about cursing God. If he's killed for just blasphemy, his children, his children inherit the land. But if he's killed for blasphemy against the king or, or criticism against the king, whatever you want to call it, then the king gets the land. So, so she's got a double uh, protection here. We want him to, uh, to be against the, the government is her bottom line. If he's against the government, then the property goes to the king if he dies. So if I have you killed because I'm the king and I have you killed, I get your property. Praise God. Instead of the family. So <laughs> I think that's a pretty good, yeah, that's a pretty good rule there. Right. But, um, and this is an interesting, I, I've, I've talked about this a couple of different times, but the word cursed is not in the original text. So it says um, that he cursed God and cursed the king. The word is, the original word is blessed. Now, so that doesn't make sense. If you back up and and look at that, um, uh, have have two scoundrels sit opposite him, have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. If you say that he has blessed both God and the king, that's like, well, what's the problem with that? Well, the issue was, if you go back to, to uh, the story of Job, when Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Mm-hmm. The, the original text there said, why don't you just bless God and die? So it was a sarcastic statement. You know, your God, so well, why don't you just bless your God and die? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a sarcasm. And the problem was, that there was the belief of the time was that if you pronounced a curse on somebody that you shouldn't have pronounced a curse on, then the curse comes back on you. And so um, uh, Proverbs 19.28 says, A rascally witness makes a mockery of justice, and the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. Uh, and there's, there's also a belief that Jezebel had the entire family killed to wow. make sure that. There was no inheritance. So that Jezebel was hardcore, I tell she you. She was hardcore. <laughs> we always we talk about uh, Jezebel spirits sometime. Yeah. I I always heard it uh, uh with Jezebel being like Jezebel. Well, she just looks like a Jezebel. You know. <laughs> well, it was usually in reference to somebody that was all made up and all their makeup and their lashes and all that. I don't think that's really the Jezebel spirit. I think the Jezebel spirit is yeah, conniving wow. mm-hmm. and and using God's name to try to um, push the agenda. Trying to do, mm. I always call it playing the God card. She yeah. was playing wow. the God card. You know, if we if we do it in the name of religion, and we know we've talked about it in here, we know that there's all kinds of religions that started out and then they, they slowly slipped in these little, mm. you know, you call it drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. How, we can sit around and say, how in the world could you convince, I mean, how in the world could you get in the pulpit of this church and convince this church at some point to drink poison Kool-Aid? Yeah. Now, but you know what? It wasn't like next week you get up and say, hey, uh, you know, if you're followers of Pastor Jeremiah Johnson, then 
I got some Kool-Aid here for you that, you know, we're all going to go together and uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but I'm still trying to get everyone to drink the Mountain Dew and they're not doing that yet. <laughs> yeah. Very well. Come on. Now the best you can do is communion, <laughs> you know, to get people to drink the, the juice. So, but it's just, it, it's that idea that it slowly creeps in. Mm-hmm. If you can get up and, and we talked about it before we started this morning, people believe they trust you. They trust me. And I always tell people, Hey, if I say something and it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds a little off or go mm-hmm. get your books out. And I'm more than happy to say, Hey, I was, I was wrong. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I've asked people before about different things. Um, uh, I bring it up often, but the thing about, uh, that there was bells on the robe of the priest when he went in and they tied a rope around his ankle so they could drag him out if he died in there because nobody was supposed to go in. I, I've had at least three different ministers say that, and the last one was, I won't, again, won't mention names, but <laughs> but the last one was here at the church, and I said, I wasn't, honestly, I was not being mean, sarcastic, or, but I was like, you know, I have looked at that, and I can't find it. So I asked him, I said, where... You know, where did you find that information? Because I said, I just I can't find it anywhere. And he's, he just stopped, and he's like, well, I guess I just said it because I've, that's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. I've never really looked it up. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tell people, if something sounds fishy, sure. yep. <laughs> you know, then go find it and bring bring that to me so I'll know that it's not. Don't just say, well, I don't agree with that. That sounds pretty dumb. You know, but but look things up, bring it. Yeah. So, or, um, or find someone that agrees with you, and then you feel right. better about it. <laughs> then, yeah. Then you'll be so. Okay. But, and then last of all, Ahab would get it by inheritance because he was a he was a cousin. So if say if all the kids were killed off or whatever, now you're at the mm-hmm. next generation. Uh, it would go to the cousin. So there, she's covering all the bases. She's making sure legally. She's making sure inheritance wise all of those areas she's trying to make sure that what she wants done is going to get done so i guess the message today is you know look at that jezebel spirit and make sure that we're not you know claiming things in the name of jesus that are just not jesus right yeah okay that's it awesome guys thanks for joining us today this is the grace point daily podcast verse by verse dr rb maynard uh join us next time we'll talk to you guys later.